helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, this is Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, and I want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show. Today's show is about rebuilding trust, the five A's of rebuilding trust. I'm going to be sharing with you today five ingredients that are necessary if you are to begin to trust again in your relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship where there has been infidelity, your partner has broken trust and you have been struggling for years and you're wondering why is it that we can seem to get back to where we were before. Stay tuned because these five A's are going to be shedding light on what might be missing and what is necessary to rebuild trust in your relationship. But before we go into today's show, let me welcome all of our listeners. If you're joining us for the first time, as I said before, this is Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services and with me in in studio today, uh, if you're new to this show, is Melissa Waggot. And let me welcome my co-host, Melissa Waggot. Melissa, welcome to today's show. And I look forward to discussing this topic with you. Likewise, Michael, it's always great to join you in studio. And again, we got a really exciting topic in store today. And I'm happy to explore it with you. Absolutely. Before we get into the show, though, let me remind you of our contact information. If you... We would like to get in touch with us after hearing this show today, or maybe you have another show you would like us to do or another need. You can call us at 613-699-1677, or you can go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And so today's show, the five A's of rebuilding trust. Melissa, it's over to you. I know you're the person that helps us to flush these topics out in a way that brings life and meaning and vibrancy to this show. So... No pressure, eh? <laughs> the ball is in your court. <laughs> so, Michael, you alluded right off the top that in the context of today's discussion, we're going to be looking about infidelity, uh, mainly within relationships. But is that the only way you can break trust in a relationship, is in an infidelity situation? Well, I, I would say that it's not the only way, but I, I choose this because it's one of the hardest things to recover from. And so when the Bible gives adultery as one of the grounds for divorce, after God has said that he hates divorce, then I think that's uh, that's testimony to the fact that this is something that is very, very hard to get over. And so for many couples, they, 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 they have been trying for years and they can't seem to get back to that place of happiness in their relationship. The relationship just can't seem to rebound from their fear that has taken place. So while it, isn't, while it is not the only way of breaking trust, I think it's the most damaging thing that can happen in a relationship. And so I want to focus on that because I think these principles can help people who are going through a hard time, who is reeling from infidelity in a relationship, these these five A's that we're going to be covering today can help. And these same principles can also be applied to other, other uh, situations where trust is broken as well. So you, you've outlined there that the infidelity piece can be is really so challenging to overcome um, because of the way the trust is broken. Why is trust so hard to rebuild in the first place? 
Well, I think when when uh, an affair happened in a relationship, it 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 goes to the very core of the person, the, the very core of the the core self of the person who has been betrayed. So it makes people question their identity. Who am I? It also makes people question whether or not the relationship was an illusion. So many people uh, have been in a relationship where they felt safe, they felt as if the intimacy that they're sharing was this one person. And when it's discovered that an affair is taking place, it hits at the very heart of the relationship. And so it's very, very hard to to recover from. I'm just thinking at that the, the vows you make at a wedding that first thing you do as a couple is broken. So you can see how that that pain would linger Absolutely. would linger on. Yes. What kind of mistakes do people make when they're going about trying to rebuild this trust? Maybe they just found out someone has been unfaithful to them. What kind of mistakes are people making when they when they hear that news and start trying to rebuild after that fact? Well, I think the the, the first news sometimes uh, the first mistake that people make can be to try to shift the blame. Uh, and try not to not to take ownership. So that brings me to my first A. I think the very first thing that needs to happen when an affair takes place, affair happens in the life of a relationship, that the person who broke the trust needs to take uh, total responsibility for what happened. Need to say, I did this and equiv- unequivocally that uh, what I did was wrong. But I think way too often the tendency is to point the finger the other way. And we see this in the in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, where uh, Adam broke the, the rule that the one commandment actually that God gave them. And he pointed his finger at his wife. The, my wife made me do it. it. It was Eve's fault. And then Eve in turn blamed the serpent. So I think it's a human tendency when we are confronted with a wrong that we have done to want to push it away, to want to, to, to blame someone else other than ourselves. So I think the very first thing that needs to happen, the first A, is that there needs to be admittance that I did this. I admit to what I did and and what I did is wrong. So the first A, uh, I'm not sure if I said it before, but the first A is admittance. So you said the human tendency is to deflect and deny and not to admit. So are there strategies people can come to to get to the place where they admit it? Or if you're the person who's been cheated on and their partner say, is deflecting and not admitting to it to get them to come to a place where they actually can own up and say, look, I did this. It's it's on me. Well, I, I think in, in a lot of time, the, the strategies uh, that would be needed is something that people can get in counseling. Sometimes people are afraid to take ownership of a situation because uh, it, they, they suffer from things like low self-esteem issue and they can't afford to be wrong. So the tendency is to want to push aside that that uh, responsibility. So sometimes getting help with a third party can bring you to a place where you can you can have that that uh, level of esteem where you can say, you know, I, I I did this. I made a blunder. I am wrong. And I think it takes a certain level of 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 maturity and and self-love, held to self-love to be able to say, I am wrong. People who have low self-esteem sometimes find it very hard to say, 
to admit to being wrong. And so they do things like they spiritualize away what happened. So I've had couples who will come in and one person will say, the person who come into the wrong will say, well, you know, I think if we were praying more, if we were closer to God, the devil would not have made me do this. Or, you know, I, I did this because I, you know, I should be fasting and I wasn't fasting. And they kind of come up with different ways to excuse their behavior. So I think... Uh, a strategy is to not not spiritualize it, but to, to look at it for what it is. You did something and it is wrong. And to unequivocally admit that the, the, the act that you did, that you are taking responsibility for it. So I can picture these scenarios that are happening sometimes in your office, Michael, and I can uh, anticipate that they're probably pretty emotionally fueled sometimes mm-hmm, and people mm-hmm. when you're going through these situations the range of emotions i'm sure is very vast so what kind of emotions are people experiencing when they're going through this this infidelity within their relationship both as a person who's been um, cheated on but also the person who's done the cheating or the betrayal what kind of things are they going through that's a very good question, Melissa, because I think sometimes too it's the emotions that makes it very difficult to take to 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 admit to admit to what was done to have that first A in place because the let us start with the person who has done the cheating the person who has done the cheating may may feel guilt for what is done, but they also may feel anger. And sometimes it's, it, it can be anger at themselves for what happened. But the emotions of guilt and anger are two very intense emotions. And these two feelings might become confused. So it's not, it's not unusual for the person who has cheated to find themselves acting out in anger at the other person instead of showing empathy. And so when you see this, is, this happening, it, it could be uh, on occasion for you to stop and reflect and say, why am I feeling this anger? Why am I not showing empathy? Why am I acting uh, this way towards my partner that I have already hurt? And I think a good re- a good explanation for that could be that what you're really feeling is a deep sense of guilt. And so dealing with that guilt, admitting to what you have done, asking forgiveness for what you have done is a good place to start to help to deal with that emotion. But he also asked me about the emotions that the other person might be faced with. And uh, it's not uncommon for people who have been cheated on to uh, to feel shame, uh, have a sense of shame, be, you know, feel that they, they, there, there is something wrong with them. So whereas guilt might say, I have done something wrong, where the other person is saying this, the person who has been deceived and cheated on is saying, there is something wrong with me. And it goes into spiraling uh, thoughts such as, maybe if I were a better wife, maybe if I were a better husband, maybe if I provided better, then my partner would not have done this. But it, it, it's important to understand why these questions are coming, because it's a way that your mind is trying to make sense of what happened. Because an, an affair doesn't make sense in, in a relationship, because you, you you met each other, you fell in love, you got married, and now this ugly thing 
has now been become a part of your relationships. Your mind is trying to make sense. So it's not uncommon for the person who has been cheated on to have these self-doubt and these these thoughts of wondering whether or not if they had done something differently, if it wouldn't have prevented their fear from happening. So how do you break that cycle of that self-talk of if you are talking yourself down where it's what's wrong with me, I should be better, it's my fault. All the, how do you break that cycle to get clarity within the situation to see it is what it is um, for what it is versus being clouded by all the emotions that rightfully come with a situation like this? Well, so first of all, I think at uh, counseling can be a, a good help in that. But I think one of the first thing to realize is that you are not responsible for your partner's action. It doesn't matter if you, you, you had, uh, you made mistakes in the relationship if you weren't the perfect breadwinner, if maybe at times you could be a little bit annoying. None of those things are excuse for your partner to do what what they did. And so it's important to absolve yourself of that responsibility because regardless of what you did, your partner made that decision to commit that Act. Your partner that took a vow to be committed to you for better or for worse did that act. And so there is no excusing that behavior. And so I think it's important to, to, to come to, to, to realize that you are not responsible for your partner's action. And there is no telling that even if you were the perfect wife or the perfect husband, that this wouldn't happen. So I see people who will come in to see me, and uh, a wife will say something to the effect of, when I have individual session with the partners alone, will say, well, I think maybe if I looked better, if I were more beautiful, maybe if I had worked out more, then this would not have happened. But the funny thing is that I see people who also come in who look like models, and they have been cheated on as well. So there is no guarantee that if you were different, it would not have happened. And eventually the person who did the cheating has to take accountability, right? And have to say, not only admit that I did this, Mm -hmm. but take accountability for their actions. Right, right. And I think accountability also in the sense of becoming accountable to, to others, like having people who you are not answerable to. So the second is for accountability. So if you are the, the person who has cheated, it, it, it is necessary for you to come under the authority of other people. So you might need accountability partners in your church that you're answerable to for where you go, what you do, your commitment for getting help. But you also need to be totally accountable to your spouse. So in other words, your spouse should, you shouldn't have any secret that you're keeping. You should become an open book. Your, your email accounts, your passwords, their, your, your, your access to your phone, these things should become totally open to your partner as a way of saying, I'm serious about, about rebuilding this trust. I have nothing to hide. I'm not hiding anything. But what I sometimes see happening in this realm is that people will become, will, will have uh, broken trust. They have cheated and they're getting annoyed that their partner doesn't trust them and is asking to, to know who they're talking to on their cell phone or is trying to look at their text. These kind of behaviors are 
totally normal on the part of the person who has been deceived. Because what your action says is that you are not trustworthy. So don't be surprised if you do something that is untrustworthy, that your partner is not going to trust you and is going to want to, to wonder who you're talking to, is going to want to, to, to see who you're, who is on your Facebook, to want to read your emails. So I think that for people who are serious about rebuilding trust, it's necessary to become account, uh, accountable to your partner and accountable to others to say, I am fully open. I have nothing to hide because I am serious about restoring this relationship. If accountability is not there, then it makes it very difficult to rebuild trust. So couples that I see who are stuck in the in this rut uh, of of you know lack of trust in their relationship, sometimes fifteen years after an affair, it's because they, there has not been one of the things that have been missing is accountability. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. Today we're talking about the five A's of rebuilding trust. If you've missed the first half of this show, we encourage you to listen to it through our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always call us at 613-699-1677 and request a copy of today's show, The Five A's of Rebuilding Trust, where we're looking at rebuilding trust after infidelity in relationships. We also wanted to remind you of our... our conference, I almost said retreat, my gosh, uh, that happened on September 30th, the First Love Conference. And Michael, you just wanted to say a few words about yeah, that. Yeah, so the conference is on the 30th of September, and it's at 1820 Carling Avenue. It's going to be a wonderful conference. And coming out, if you're in a relationship that you are struggling with, or maybe you just want to make your relationship better, this is a conference for you. Maybe if you're seeking to find uh, a partner and you just can't seem to attract the right person or you can't seem to attract people into your life, I think it's very important to, to come on out as we will be covering a uh, different aspect of, of couples' relationships, self-love, developing healthy self-love. Sometimes we are not attractive, not in a physical way, but we are not attractive in an emotional way because we don't think highly of ourselves. And this has nothing to to do with your body type. I know some people hear this and think, oh, maybe if I, you know, lose 50 pounds, then I would have elder self-love. The, 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 the answer to that is no, because we see people who look like models and they, they still don't have elder self-love because the, it's it's at a deeper level than, than at the level of their physical appearance. So I think for you to be healthy and to attract the right person, you have to be healthy on the inside. And this this conference about self-love is going to be helping people to restore health to self-love and to be able to get the kind of uh, relationships that they want. But the third part of the conference is going to be dealing with health to God love, you know, having that spiritual relationship, that, that spiritual, uh, being in that spiritual place where God can bless you and where you can, you can achieve those spiritual goals that have been uh, eluding you for all of these years. So if you want to join us, go to our website at Elam Counseling ministry.com or call us at 613-699-1677. So back to our discussion about the five A's of rebuilding trust. And one of the things that was coming to mind um, as we were talking before our break there was 
um, I didn't get to ask you about the emotional piece and how to deal with that because we talked about the wide range of emotions that happen and how it's important to connect with those emotions. But how should people respond to those emotions? Uh, I think of that situation where someone has is, as you said, maybe feeling shame or even anger as someone who's been cheated on. How should those emotions be responded to? Well, I think this takes me to the, the third A. Uh, and the third A is is for acceptance. I think a, a, an affair uh, is a very painful thing in a relationship, as I have said before. And so what we often find, sometimes the anger that is coming out from the person who has cheated is a way of saying, I don't want to deal with this ugly thing that has come. I know I did it, but I just don't want to hear you mention it. I'm tired of hearing about this thing that I have done. So the 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 third A for acceptance is saying, I accept, I will accept my partner's pain. I know that this is unpleasant for me, but I will accept. And one thing to keep in mind, in the book After the Affair by Janice Abraham, uh, Abraham Spring, she said that it doesn't matter what, how painful it is for the person who have committed the act of cheating. It doesn't matter how painful it is for you to, to deal with that reality of what you have done because it is it is much more painful for the person who have been deceived and cheated on. So sometimes we forget that and people who, who have who, who have or are dealing with their guilt forget that the other person is hurting even ten times more. And so the the pushing away of the emotion and tired of hearing you bring this up. It's been six months. Why can't you get over it? Uh, that pushing away minimizes the, the pain of the other person and focuses more on the pain of the perpetrator. So it's very important to accept that your partner is hurting. Embrace that pain because if you push that away, if you push that pain away, then it's going to take much more time. It's going to be impossible for your partner to heal. But for the person who is hurting and uh, and feeling the pain of maybe uh, self doubt or feeling feeling the shame of being cheated on, it's also important for you to accept those emotions as well and realize that it's part of your searching. As I said before, it's part of your searching for answer. But you need to also engage the rational part of your brain to come to this this place of rationality where you can say, I did nothing wrong. So you accept the emotions, but you also try to deal with it in a rational, practical way. So the third A is for acceptance. Are there any other strategies people can do to start rebuilding trust within the relationship? We've covered three thus far, but is there anything else people can do? Well, I think it's very important. The fourth A is for avoidance. And I, I think when you have a situation where trust has been broken by one party, I think avoidance in the sense of the person who was perpetrated the act should avoid at all costs putting themselves in situations that are similar to what happened. So I've seen cases, for example, where this person decided that they wanted to go on a vacation alone together because they wanted they wanted time alone and you know they went on a vacation together and it 
the, uh, they came back and it was discovered that they had an affair while they were on the vacation. Now, in a situation like that, as much as you might like taking vacation alone, you should not put yourself in a situation where you where you go on another vacation alone. This is something that you need to say, you know what, this is going to be uncomfortable to my partner. And as much as I like getting away, I'm not going to do that because it triggers immense pain for my partner. So vacations are, I shouldn't say easy to avoid. Vacations are fun, right. but you can avoid them. You don't have to book the ticket. What about situations, though, that are less... Um, easy to avoid what if it was an office place romance or a close how do you avoid those things you can't just not book the ticket right so i think in 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 situations like that it can be a lot more difficult but in the book after the affair by janice abram she also talks about having for the person who broke trust to have high cost behavior and high cost behavior is a way of demonstrating to your partner that this relationship is important to me and I want to prove to you that I value you and I value this relationship. So in a situation like that, it might mean asking to be transferred to work at another branch of the company, uh, to be away from that office where that partner is, because that's a high cost, high cost behavior. Uh, and it, it might, it might mean changing, changing jobs to prove to your partner that I'm serious about, about, about rebuilding trust and and I understand your pain. But what is very, very disheartening is when you have people, after they have broken trust, they act with a kind of chip on their shoulder, like, you can tell me what to do. This is my job. I'm going to do it. If I want to take vacations alone, you know, I'm I'm an introvert. I like vacations alone. And, you know, you're trying to control me. I'm going to continue doing this. I think those, those kind of actions send a message loud and clear that you are not really serious about the, the pain that you have caused your partner, or at least you don't understand the intense pain that this is costing your partner. And so what's the last A that you have for rebuilding trust? The final A is for assurance. I think if you are serious about rebuilding trust, not only do you have to admit to it, not only do you have to be accountable, not only do you have to accept the pain of your partner, not only do you have to avoid the situations that created, that resulted in this happening in the first place, but you also need to assure your partner that you understand their their, their pain and that you're making a, a, a commitment to not doing what you're doing again. So in other words, you're breaking free by by your actions from not putting yourself in situation, but you're making a statement that I understand how much I have hurt you and I am assuring you that this is not going to happen again. But this assurance has to be backed up with all those other things that I have said that we have talked about before. So declaring to change, high cost behavior can be a part of that assurance as well. I'm taking this seriously. I'm willing to move to another city if this is what makes you comfortable because I, I realize how, how unpleasant it is for you to be around that person. I'm willing to maybe change church if this person is part of our congregation because I realize that it's painful for you to see that person day in and day out. 
Any final messages for people going through this? The final message that I would like to give today is that there is hope. I, I think people who are struggling with rebuilding trust, especially if you've been dealing with this for for years and you're feeling as if you just keep recycling into this into this uh, to this place of hurt and mistrust, it is possible to rebuild your relationship. It's not hopeless. It can be done. But for you to rebuild that relationship, you need to have these five A's in place. If you would like to get a copy of this, we have a, actually have a scoring sheet that helps you to rate your relationship to see where you rate in terms of these five A's. You need a certain score in your relationship to have any hope of rebuilding trust. And if you fill out this form, if you ask for a copy of this form and you fill it out and you see that you're below a certain place, you need to get help right away because trust needs to rebuild. And I see that we're quickly out of time today, Melissa. So I want to thank you, Melissa, for your wonderful question. And thank you for joining us in this episode of the Live Transformation Radio Show. I also want to remind you of our conference. Coming out to the conference, 1820 Carling Avenue, the First Love Conference on the 30th of September. You can call us at 613-699-1677 for more information. Or you can go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.